moving over to a disciplined mindset is really focused on teaching the life skill Mm -hmm. instead of making them feel bad or making, you know, it sting. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 359. Today, we're talking about setting firm and kind boundaries with Wendy Snyder. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence kids. Hey, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Listen, if you haven't done so, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And please go do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more. We have over 2 million downloads because of you. It just takes 30 seconds and I really, really appreciate it. In just a moment, we're going to be sitting down with Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator, family life coach, and advocate who is certified in redirecting children's behavior and the joy of parenting program. And she has her own business, Fresh Start Family, to spread the message of positive parenting across the world. We're going to be talking about what do you do with those kids who push back a lot, right? What do you do with them? I talked to Wendy about building a compassionate discipline toolkit to deal with these challenging kids. And this episode is really chock full of really practical parenting tools. We're going to talk about how to stay firm and kind so you don't become too permissive with your children. I want you to listen for some important takeaways, how damaging shame is, how you should ask yourself, what do I want my kids to learn from how I teach them? And then what? do logical consequences actually look like? So we're going to discuss this today. There's so much in here, so many practical tools. I know you are going to get so much out of it. So I can't wait to hear your takeaways. Oh my gosh, you're going to enjoy it so much. So let's just dive in. Join me at the table as I talk to Wendy Snyder. I'm excited to talk to you. We had a great conversation for your podcast and I was so excited. I'm so excited to bring you on to answer the question, to talk about that idea that, that parents always have when we're in, they're encountering this idea of like moving beyond punishment and you moving beyond like threats and punishment. But because the, in, I think our minds, when we think about like, okay, well, if I don't use threats and punishment, like it's like a void there, then I'm helpless. And I have no way to discipline my child. I have no way to hold boundaries. And that's the fear. So our job today is to put that fear to rest. Are you game? Heck yes. It has been such a journey myself (laughs) to put that fear to rest. And finally, you know, a decade later, I just feel so good about it. Right. So it's like, I'm excited to really help uh, listeners feel the same today and and just give them a a little bit to work with because there's so much on this subject and um, yeah, let's, let's dive in because there there's so much goodness that comes to families when they embrace the idea of compassionate discipline versus punishment. Awesome. So were you like me? So when I, I kind of, I'm just from hearing your response, like when my daughter was born, I met this like 
when I think it was my, I was like struggling. I, I think I was, my second daughter might've been a baby and I met a family who was like, yeah, we don't do any timeouts. And I was like, that's <laughs> crazy. Like, I'm not going to be that parent. Let my child run all over me. And I thought they were bananas. And lo and behold, yes. I never ended up using any timeouts besides like a tiny portion of time way, way, way back when. And my kids aren't running, <laughs> ruling the house and they're not running yeah. wild and they're not, um, you know, they're not spoiled. Um, yeah. did you have a similar kind of experience where you kind of encountered it? You, you had like the opposite mindset and then you encountered this. Oh yes. And I got into the thick of it for probably, you know, it's so funny to think back because it feels like an eternity, but Stella was probably, it was probably the ages of like between two. And then I found the work when she was about three. So probably till about two to three and a half, we were doing all the traditional like timeouts. Um, I tried spanking her twice, which literally like she became a dragon and was like, heck no. Like she just raised the red flag and was like, you are not like, we are not doing this. And looking back, I'm like, wow, uh, her strong will just so beautifully shined in that moment. Um, but yeah, lots of timeouts. There was lots of traditional punishments in that time frame. I remember just like throwing her most precious stuffed animal in the trash one day. Cause I really thought that that was going to like make her learn her lesson. Right. Cause I think with traditional punishment, we have this mindset that in order for it to work, it really needs to like sting. Like they need mm -hmm. to fear the consequence it has and to uh, hurt for them to, to learn. That's the yeah. idea. Yeah. And it was just like, it's still just like, man, it, it brings me to tears almost to think about the, the reaction she had. She had this step stool out and she was trying to like get into the trash can in the garage and her little body was like hanging over this giant trash can. And oh my gosh, it was just traumatic dude. And it was like over a stuffed animal. And I just remember being out of my mind, angry and at my wits end. Cause I just wanted this child to like, not shake the baby or to take a nap when I asked her to, or to put on her freaking shoes to like <laughs> go outside so we could get out of the house. Cause I just felt trapped, you know, like it was just, yeah. So I, I, I have a similar, you know, uh, season where I looked, I didn't even have people actually in my life at that point who were not doing the timeouts and punishments, like, mm -hmm. and spankings, everybody almost that I talked to, I have so many stories of whether it was my boss or colleague or someone from church or the neighbor at one point, like told me how you just buy this little book and you use a, a switch on your kid and it'll make everything better. Oh. Um, it was a lot of input in that time in my life. Uh, that was like, it's okay to, to raise a hand and make sure this kid knows that, you know, your boss. And so thank God when I found this work, like even talking about that season, it's so fascinating. Cause I get like a visceral reaction in my stomach mm -hmm. of like, what it was like to be in that season where, you know, all these people are telling you that that's what works. Mm -hmm. um, and just knowing, like, I just did um, a reel this morning on Instagram about it, like just knowing that it, it doesn't feel right. It's not in line with my heart and Hunter, it's not even working <laughs> like this child, my beautiful, strong-willed child. It wasn't working. Like, you know, mm -hmm. a few days later, she would still go up and like bite the baby or pinch the baby or not like, you know, it's not like she was like, yes, ma'am. After I would, 
put her in timeout and lock her in her room for five minutes. So, uh, yeah, that was an intense season. And thank God, once I found this work and started to learn how to replace a punishment mindset with a discipline mindset and really just started to see her in a new light, work with her differently, a new light. That's what led me down the life coaching path. And then I started to see myself in a new light. Cause I'm a very strong willed person too. Um, Everything just changed. Go figure. But everything just so beautifully changed. She started to just flourish. And um, it just felt so darn good to see how much influence I had on this very strong little girl that was not going to be told or humiliated into uh, uh, doing things a certain way. Like she she demanded influence, right? Like she was like, there, there's going to need to be respect here for me to follow you, mom, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are 10 years later. I know we have similar age girls still is almost 15 and man. Yeah. It, yeah it just feels so I, I'm like nodding my head so much because you're <laughs> describing <laughs> my, I, you know, I was like very determined not to hit my child because I was spanked. Like, so I, I had that but I was like yelling, I was scaring her. And she was just like, it was like, just, it would just explode her like a powder keg, like super wow. highly sensitive. She just couldn't like, wouldn't like when it was a battle and still to this day, if like we get into a place where it's a battle, it's such, it's, it's a, it's a, it just never, it never works. And and the, yeah. and the interesting part of that is like, to think about is like, sometimes of that is like, kind of what's the end game, right? Like, you know, you, you are, are you upping the, pun- you know what I mean? Like if it doesn't work, then you're making stronger and harsher punishments. And I saw an amazing, um, thing from Mr. Chess, who's another podcast guest on the Mindful Mom podcast, where he shared someone who wrote to him about, yeah, like my mother was like raising a hand to me in my thirties and, you know, and that all these people responded. Yeah. My parents, my, my mother tried to hit me. It was, you know, slap my face in my twenties. My, you know, one person said they were like 40 and their mother was, you know, or their father was trying to like hit them. It's amazing to think about the sort of the, these habits. And of course it's, it's just passed down, right? Like this is, um, you know, this is, this is, I mean, we don't have to go deep into like the history, but I like this is, too. yeah, this it, is, the, the, yeah, yeah. It's so good lately. Right. Like he has been sharing the most beautiful stuff that I just am eating it up. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like his community and what they share mm-hmm. is so beautiful. Right. Hunter. Like you get to yeah. see long-term effects of like the punishment style mindset um, yeah, I just feel like we should all nominate Mr. Chaz for like Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> shout shout out to to Mr. Chaz. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess for me, like it was like, oh, I was in like a, I had a terrible relationship with my father, well into my twenties, at least a decade after I left the house, and it was because of the tactics he used. And my whole thing was like, dang, I want to actually like my kids and have them like me. I want to have a good relationship when they're teenagers. Like I knew in my mind like that the re- adolescent rebellion is not, you know, they're they're like it can be avoided. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yes, there's separation that happens. But I I don't believe that like I have to hate you and, you know, completely battle you and defeat you to be able to separate is true, right? And I'm seeing this with yeah. my daughter like we have 
some conflicts and then we repair and then we're close and then she's talking to me and then when everything's cool, you know, like the, the relationship is there. So, um, there's so many yeah. reasons to to sort of shift, but uh, not not you know the not the least of which is that terrible feeling you were describing, of like this feels horrible to be making my child this sad or upset and and to be doing these harsh things to my child. Yeah, and I mean we're talking about like toddler stuff, right? I mean, and but the thing I always want listeners to remember is that this kind of manifest in all different ways with the punishment mindset. Right. And as our kids become older, it just becomes like trickier, right? It's like your iPad is going to get taken away and it's not, you know, to like teach them the life skill of self-management or how the, the device is affecting their mental health and anything like that. It's to make sure that they pay the price for the attitude or because parents know that that's their cherished, like uh, you know, here we are, we have girls who have phones or devices or whatever, you know, it's a whole different conversation. We advocate for no iPhones till high school, but, um, but like a lot of times the devices with the kids, as they get older, become like this cherished extension of their life. And, you know, traditional punishment includes these days, a lot of like, that's the first thing you snatch, like you snatch it away. And it's because, temp- because parents know that it'll sting. It'll really sting mm-hmm. the most when it's something that they love or groundings are an example of that. Um, but the mindset is still just stuck in the concept of like, I really need to make sure my child like shows shame and regret over this mistake in order for them to learn. And so moving over to a disciplined mindset is really focused on teaching the life skill Mm -hmm. instead of making them feel bad or making, you know, it sting. And there's just so many options that you can, that you can use that are really like actual effective tasks, uh, that really end up replacing the traditional timeouts, spankings, groundings, taking away their cherished, whatever it may be. Um, and it's just so cool how it works so well, right? Like, I know you can speak to this. It's now that our girls are older, you know, I have a younger son too. It just is so cool to see it work. Like the life skill is retained so much better when the child is not like scared or, uh, you know, just like in that, like fight, flight or freeze mode, like they're actually learning why do I want to do this differently tomorrow? And I have someone who is mentoring me and supporting me to learn how to avoid the temptation. Because last night we had a conversation right here in my office with my daughter after like a sticky situation where she kind of was just really kind of disrespectful at the dinner table over, you know, stupid stuff. Like she didn't want to get up and get her own butter and then ridiculed her brother. (laughs) And I just kind of lost it. And not my, not my like worst moment ever as a mom, but still it was, it just got yucky. And we just, you know, afterwards had this opportunity to just talk about what happened and then help, like help her see. And she ended up really being very humble by the end of the conversation and saying, I can see where I'm showing up and, um, and not showing kindness and respect or not contributing to the family as a team. And I can see how I can do it differently tomorrow. Um, So just again, fresh in my mind, it's just about teaching like, Hey, you're a normal kid. And like, this isn't, this isn't working for you. It's not working for us. So like, how are you going to do it differently tomorrow? These are some things you can think about. These are some ways you can change your mindset. That's what it looks like for an older kid, but for the younger ones, there's just so many activities you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about shifting from 
I want to make you hurt to what does my child need to learn? And we're going to talk about some ways to sort of shift that. We, we have a toolkit we're going to talk about. I'm so excited, but I just want to just underscore like when we yell at our kids, when we're harsh with them, when we t- threaten them, when we take things away from it and puts them into, as Wendy said, fight, flight, or freeze stress response. And they literally don't have access to their whole brain in that moment. They cannot learn whatever you are wanting them to learn in that moment. It simply makes them resent you and be less likely to cooperate with you in the future because you're making them hurt. So now they're less likely to cooperate with you. It's really ineffective. Um, ultimately, even if we were, were worried about the alternative, you should know that the, the punishment, the, the harshness, the yelling, it's just ineffective because of our kids' biology. And because it's our, the core, you know, it's the, our connection to their connection to us that makes them want to cooperate. Right. So it's just simply ineffective to be constantly putting, you know, be in a battle. I agree, Hunter. And what I've realized lately even more too, is that even let's just say, even if it is effective, right. And making sister stop smacking or saying something rude to her sister or like whatever the behavior is that you're trying to modify, even if it is effective, the shame and the humiliation and the like, uh, that kind of stuff that comes along with the traditional punishments when it's layered on top of, let's just say we're teaching the life skill it actually creates a detrimental effect and keeps human beings stuck. So even if they want to do it differently tomorrow, as long as there's shame, like showing up in any area of their life, uh, Mm. what I've learned over the last few years in my own journey and my students' journey is that that actually keeps a child stuck from changing the behavior tomorrow. So it's just so many facets, right. To the conversation, but just, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a, concept that we just really want to solidify. It just, it doesn't work. So let's just, let's just ground ourselves and, um, find joy in learning a different way. All right. So done work done. Feel good. (laughs) What do we do instead? And you, I love this. You talk about a whole compassionate discipline toolkit. Walk us through this Wendy. Yeah. So I'm a huge visual person and I like to really like imagine myself, uh, with like the home Depot toolkit. When my little guy was little, he just like at all hours of the day, he'd wear his little toolkit and he'd have his hammer and his, his screwdriver and everything in there. And he, he'd even wear like working goggles, like worker guy goggles. We had a plumber come over once that we were friends with and he offered him a beer at like 10 AM. I was like, <laughs> my kid. He's like, you want a beer? I'm like, oh my gosh. He's seeing like our cousin do all these house projects. Anyways, he just loved, I know it was (laughs) such a funny moment to this day. Um, but he just loved like the idea of his toolkit. And so I like to picture myself and all of my students and anybody listening, like you, we all have a toolkit. We all go into parenting with a toolkit. And usually we have four tools in there that we hand me down or or that we inherit from our, our parents and the way we were raised. Again, most of us, there are some exceptions to this, of course, but it's usually four things, fear, force, bribery and rewards. Like that's how you get a kid to comply. That's how you get a kid to, you know, that's how you correct behavior. And nowadays, because of the beautiful work you do Hunter and and I do, um, there's so many different tools that you can add to that toolkit and really get yourself to a place of understanding where you start to realize 
different scenarios need different tools, right? Mm -hmm. So depending on what your child needs to learn or what your child is struggling with not understanding how to do or how to meet a need or communicate in a healthy way, whatever it may be, you have all these options. So the, the standard tool belt, it's like, I just picture it like overflowing with like, you know, um, every different type of tool you can imagine that represents different types of discipline. Um, and so, especially like if you have a strong-willed kid or you happen to have a strong will, I feel like those of us who fall into that category or have any, any bit of it, discipline almost becomes even the most challenging thing because we don't like to feel pressured to do something a certain way. And when you only have those mm -hmm. four things in your, yeah, when you only have those four things in your tool belt, it's like, oh, well, I have to do this. Like, this is how I have to do it, but you're kind of bitter and pissed about it and you don't want to hurt your kids, but you know, otherwise they won't learn. Like you hear it all the time with yelling, right? Like I would love to do it differently, but nothing else works, but you're kind of bitter and resentful about it. So packing the toolkit, um, is just a great visual to, to imagine, um, rolling around throughout your day, making sure your tool belts with you all the time. And really kind of the key components we teach here at Fresh Start Family. And I know you teach, you know, so many good stuff when it comes to discipline too, is self-calming is like the ultimate number one thing that we want to go to, um, to teach children how to self-regulate self-calm. And that's both for kids and ourself because modeling is the best way to teach that. But really when it comes to conflict in life, like self-calming and self-regulation is should be every human being's number one goal. And then second, the second tool that has, um, really profound impact on human beings is natural consequences where you let life do the teaching. This is, you know, coupled or, you know, added on the layer of pulling back and saying, not saying I told you so. This is what happens when you do that. So le really letting life teach. And then the third category, which has lots of mini tools underneath of it is logical consequences. And that's the one, um, you know, that really replaces the traditional punishment. And I have a folder, you know, that's like really, really thick. I mean, it's probably, you know, at least eight inches thick full of activities that I've done with my own kids and students over the last 10 years. I've saved every single I am chart, um, you know, uh, when I feel angry chart, uh, when I'm tempted to have an attitude chart, uh, like I, every single makeup that my children have ever done or I've done for them. It's a, I love that folder that I, that I keep and show, but it's, it's logical consequences. Some examples are makeups, which repairs relationships. It replaces the standardized, uh, go say you're sorry to your sister. It actually makes amends, does something to repair the relationship, uh, role plays and redos. So role plays is like actually having puppets or, uh, matchbox cars. That's what I used to always do with my little guy. If he got in trouble for talking in class or something where you actually practice this scenario in both the way it doesn't work well, and then redo it in the way that it does work well. And then, um, and you can do that with dolls or whatever you want. And then role plays are, I'm sorry, redos, which are like when things don't go well, mm -hmm. your goal is to have a new imprint, to leave a new imprint on everyone's mind. Um, so you actually, you know, say your kids are getting in the car and they start to like smack and hit each other and somebody pushes somebody and they fall into the rose bush, real 
story of my own life and bloodies their <laughs> finger before you actually get in the car. You, you have everybody come back in the house. You do a quick five, 10 minute um, activity and encouragement feast as an example of something you could do. And then you have everybody redo the situation in the way that you'd like them to handle it. Um, so redos are really impactful on children's minds. What's an encouragement feast? An encouragement feast is where you kind of, you can do this in a long version or a, a shortened version, but you sit down and you just have everybody kind of ground themselves in connection and respect. And you go around in a circle and you say one thing um, you love or respect or like about uh, the person next to you. Um, or, and then you say one thing you love or respect or like about yourself. And then you just go around in a circle um, until it's done. And it kind of just resets everybody. And, um, and we find that it just kind of levels the playing ground and gets children out of their amygdala. And you don't always have to do it in that situation. Like a lot of people do it if they're on the way to like, um, you know, school or if they have a carpool or if they're taking their kids to baseball practice or whatever it may be. But, um, and what happens if your child is like in a snickety mood because something has just happened and you're doing a redo and then you say, honey, let's do an encouragement feast. And they are giving you the eye roll and they refuse to cooperate. Yeah. Well, there's a few things you can do. Um, sequencing is a great one. Um, so sequencing replaces threats. So, so threat would look like, well, tough, like, cool. If you don't do it, then we're not going anywhere. If you don't do it, then your iPad will be taken away. Right. Mm -hmm. Sequencing is like, Hey, I get it. I get it that this doesn't seem fun to you. And before we go, before we leave for the park, we need to get this done. We, we're not going anywhere until we get this done. So we can do it fast or we can do it slow or we can pause. But while we're pausing, we're not going to have any TV. We're not going to have any video games. We're not going to, we're just going to chill until we're ready. And then, so that's one way. And then another way is, um, I can see you don't want to do it. And do you remember the way we used to do things? Hmm. Do you, I don't know if you remember, but when you were little, um, we didn't know a different way. And so we used to lock it. Like, this is my own story. Uh, we reversed the locks on my daughter's room. We used to lock you in your room. There was a time, sweetheart, when we would hold you down until you stopped screaming to make sure you learned a lesson. There was times when we spanked you there. Now we know it. Now we've learned a different way. And it's important in our family that we, we all understand that we don't lay hands on each other anymore. So this is the way we do things now. And I think you don't want to go back to that old way. I don't want to go back to that old way. So I need your help. Mm -hmm. And you let, if you need a few minutes, it's okay. And I love using the word and Hunter instead of, but, and yeah. we're not going anywhere until we get this done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Like the whole idea of, uh, I mean, of the sequencing, and this is something we, you know, we talk about in mindful parenting. It's just the idea of like, you know, first we do this and then we do this and not if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. But first we do this and then we do this. And this is just the way it is. And part of holding a boundary can just be waiting, you know, can just be like, well, we got, we got to do this before we do this. And we're just going to hang out here until we can do this, you know, and it's insisting, but the way you're describing it, which is really beautiful is gently respectfully, you know, I hear you, you may not want to do this, but you know, 
this happens to us a lot, like in our house. So one of the ways I hold boundaries is they say, we, we got to do this before we, you know, go to scouts or whatever. Right. You know, and they'll be like, Hey guys, we don't have a lot of time yet. I'm going to, you know, wait. And they know I'll wait, you know, I'm going to wait until the dishes are away before we go to scouts. And it's not a threat, but it's like, this is the, this is a, a, the logical sequence of how we live our lives is that we get this X thing done when we have this time now, and then we do this other thing. And it's just a way of insisting kindly and a little bit stubbornly sometimes. (laughs) Yes. I love that Hunter and firmly like, it's okay. Parents like, you know, what we're, we're saying is yes, it's respectful. It's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's when, when we're out, when we've had a full night's rest, it's calm and it's absolutely okay. And I believe essential to be very firm with your children sometimes and say, this, this is not the way we do things. And we will not leave this house until we get it, you know, till we learn, till we learn together. Um, I think a stance of firmness is important. Um, it, it makes kids feel protected, right? Like we don't, yeah. we don't, we don't want to say, okay, now we don't want to use punishments and we don't want to use timeouts. We don't want to hit our kids. So now we're going to be permissive, right? Like that's going to the other side of the spectrum and that kids are permissive parents. They don't feel cared for. Like they don't necessarily feel safe. They don't learn healthy boundaries. So yeah, we've got to, our job is to coach our kids into like, you know, we can expect that kids are, immature, they're inexperienced. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to have quote unquote bad behavior. Cause that's what it is to be a kid. They're not going to get, learn every lesson instantly and obediently. That's how it is to be human. I never, I barely ever learned anything the first time. How many times have I had to have a penalty from whatever to like get on time with like, you know, this thing, you know, I mean, I just, this is the way humans are. And yet sometimes like I I guess I'm talking here about expectations, right? Like we should, we have to remember that kids aren't going to do things perfectly and and our expectations for kids should be, we should expect them to have bad behavior and mess up. Why are our expectations for kids higher than our expectations for adults? It doesn't make any sense. It's like crazy. Okay. Sorry. My little (laughs) girl there. I love it. <laughs> okay. So we're doing self-calming. We're talking about, you, you're talking about self-calming, natural consequences, and logical consequences. And self-calming is so that we can model calming down. We can also then use our whole brain. Calming is the first step in the, the mindful parenting method, right? The clear method is calming is the first step. So, so, so important. Um, so we've, we've talked about that a lot. So I want to dive into you with you about with the difference between natural consequences, natural consequences and logical consequences. And uh, I think it might be nice first to just talk about natural consequences and the fact that sometimes like it's okay to just for our kids to see what are the effects of their behavior, right? Maybe yeah. it's their effects on us. Maybe it's effects on the house or on their whatever, right? Like, are the consequences for them to see, oh, this didn't work out so well when I did it this way. So yeah. let's dive into this piece. Yep. Um, yeah. And this can be really confusing for parents, right? I see it in my own membership uh, program. They even parents have been in the program for a while. They still get confused on what's a natural and logical consequence. So natural consequences really is when you don't interfere 
and you let life do the teaching. So like the simplest example is like, you know, a few is, um, if your child, if you've asked your child to be a contributing member of like making sure everything's in his backpack each morning, cause you're so sick and tired of doing everything for your kids. Um, and so you've gone over the plan, you've taught them a life skill of putting their lunch into their backpack or whatever it may be, or being in charge of checking their chart before they leave. And then your child goes to leave the house and you, as they're pulling away, you see the lunch sitting there on the counter. Um, you know, an option that everyone has is to like call the parent that's taking them and then have them turn around, give them the lunchbox and then tell to the kid, you need to remember to bring your lunch. I've told you before, we always say that a parent, a child who forgets has a parent who remembers. Um, instead, a natural consequence is like, Hey, this is a, probably a great opportunity to let life do the teaching. And so when my child gets to school, he's going to be sad at lunchtime because he's not going to have his favorite snack and chips or whatever, or, or lunch. Um, and so he's going to probably have to eat the snack bar that the, the um, teacher keeps there just in case someone forgets their lunch, or maybe a friend is going to have an opportunity to share a part of their lunch. Um, but he might be sad for a little bit. And then when he comes home and he says, mom, I, I didn't have my lunch. <laughs> you can say, oh, well, okay. Well, what did you learn from that mistake? That's it. How did that feel? Oh, oh, darn it. Like you didn't have your, your favorite peanut butter and jelly. Oh, what did you do? Okay. What do you need to remember tomorrow? That's it. That's it. Like another example is, um, is like my daughter, when she was young, used to be like, so she, we called her the polar bear. She still is. Um, but she just hated wearing jackets. And I remember just having to, uh, this is so common, right? Like I used to fight this battle before I learned. Yeah. Yeah. So fruitless. Right. And I, I remember like Googling it and being like, is this like a wife's tale that your kid will get sick if they don't, if they're cold. And really what I found out is that if they're already catching a cold, this was my research, it wasn't like, Mm -hmm. you know, but if they're already catching a cold or getting sick, yes, their body drop temperature dropping could make them get sicker faster. Like it could like make it happen real fast. But for the most part, being cold does not make you sick. So it's kind of like an old wives tale, right? So I started to become more comfortable with letting her not wear her jacket and then actually being at the parade and getting cold and either having to snuggle with me or wear her, like her little brother's like scratchy jacket that she was like disgusted by or something. Right. Like, and just asking her, like, what do you need to learn next time? So my daughter is an example of that, that strong will personality where like when life teaches her, oh man, she is like, she gets it. When I teach her, like when I try to make her learn her lesson, or even if I'm using logical consequences, it's just, it's a higher degree of difficulty because she loves to be in charge and life. She just accepts the lesson. Um, now logical, uh, natural consequences well, are, yeah, go ahead. I want to just jump in with a great example of this from, from my girls when they were little, my, one of my children, she was going to like a, a preschool program. We walked there. It was very close. Would not get dressed, would not get dressed, would not get dressed. So I just took her clothes. I put them in a little bag and we went to school in her pajamas. We walked to school in pajamas. And then she got there and she was a little embarrassed. I said, here's her clothes. So I didn't want to get dressed this morning. She can get dressed here at school. So she had to, she had to go through the experience of like, oh, I'm here in my pajamas. No one else is. I've got to go get changed in the bathroom at school. This is awkward. 
And it was not my problem, right? This was her problem. And then she got dressed after that. I didn't have to fight her about it, you know, oh, but it wasn't so something bad. that I manipulated to happen. It was just, this yeah. is the, res- if she doesn't get dressed, well, okay, I'll just pack up these clothes. I'll bring them to school. It's so, that's such a great example. And there's so much work <laughs> that we have to do as parents on the emotional front to like be okay letting the natural consequence work, right? Like that story of you, I'm sure there was levels of like, oh my gosh, what is the teacher going to think of me? Like, what if she never changes her clothes? What if she just now from now until the time she's 18 lives in her pajamas? Like, what am I doing? Am I being permissive? Like, I don't know for me and my students, like there's just a whole mental game that you have to learn all your work is so good for this hunter to have, to relax that brain, as you say, name it like, oh, hello, fear. Mm-hmm. hello fear of judgment whatever it may be and just it's okay it's okay to let my le- my child learn through life's experiences it's okay if they make a mistake it's okay if um there is a parent there who judges me i don't care about what they think whatever it may be um but yeah natural consequences like i said earlier just the biggest most important part of it is you cannot come in with see i told you so that's what happens when you don't listen it'll totally negate all of the life's lesson. And, uh, it then becomes about you versus your child, you know? So if your daughter, that's what you want to avoid. Like I didn't have a fight with her about it beforehand. We didn't have a fight about it afterwards. It was like, okay, this is your thing. You know, (laughs) like, and yeah, just like, "Mm, told you so I'm just biting it down. I told you so. Isn't that such a funny journey to swallow that? Like I do it all the time. I'm like, don't say it. And I'm like, I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. All right. So, so then what are logical consequences? And I, you talk about how they're related, they're respectful and they're reasonable. And so logical consequences, I mean, I'm assuming the way you, what we're trying to like, get them to learn whatever the thing is that they need to learn. Right. Because if they're having a a quote unquote bad behavior. It means that they're making some kind of mistake or their behavior is affecting others in a, in a negative way. So what do they need to learn? So talk to us about logical consequences instead of just uh, natural consequences. Yep. So logical consequences is when you need to step in and assist in the learning, right? So this is when you need to step in and actually be a mentor, be a teacher, come beside your children and provide uh, assistance in, in order to teach them an important life skill. Um, and so what you're talking about when it comes to those, those things is what we call the four R's here at Fresh Start Family. And it's, um, in order for, uh, actual, you know, whatever activity you're doing with your child to be an actual logical consequence, it has to hit the four R's. So it needs to be related. This is the number one thing that parents spin out in the beginning when they're moving from punishment to logical consequences, because 99% of the time traditional punishment is just, it's just not related. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what parents might be doing, we can teach them to make it related, but it really takes a lot of thought process. But a lot of times it's just like, if you're taking away technology, it has nothing to do with, you know, your child rolling their eyes at you or smacking their sister. Um, you know, same thing anyways. So related, uh, has to teach responsibility. It has to be respectful. 
and it has to be reasonable. So the four R's um, are really a great kind of uh, way to just keep you on track. And most of the time you're going to realize that you're in a punish, you're doing punishment, you're in a punishment mindset. If you ask yourself that first one, is this related? And you cannot think of how it's related. It's just to make sure your child, your child knows that they need to pay the price for their mistake. And there's going to be consequences, right? Like that's like, you can feel your body when you're in a punishment mindset. Like I almost like grit my teeth and say, you will, you are going to learn that there are consequences to your behavior. Like, you know, like the tone comes out so strong. So, so like we mentioned before, um, my favorites, we teach a lot inside of our programs, but my favorites are, uh, makeups, role plays and redos. So we can just kind of highlight those three things. Mm -hmm. So makeups is when you teach your child to actually do an activity that repairs the relationship or makes amends. Um, so this is an example of like, if you are out in the world and your flight gets canceled and you have to like, um, stay, you know, sleep in the airport or something. And it's because the, the airplane had some technical glitch and the airline is like, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Hunter, like that's, we're so sorry. Like, sorry. You'd be like, okay, well this still sucks. Right. But if they were like, Hey, we really, this, we're sorry about this, but we're going to give you, um, you know, at least a voucher. So you and your family can go have dinner. Uh, we really apologize. Or we're going to give you a voucher to fly, uh, at least a $200 credit for next time to make up for what we've, you know, to make up for how this is inconvenienced you. Thank you for understanding. Of course, the second time you would feel more settled in that relationship. You're more likely to come back to that airline. You're more likely to keep trusting them. The first time you're probably just going to be pissed, you know? So mm -hmm. a makeup um, can look like you can teach kids to um, do drawings for people. This works great for teachers or siblings or mom and dad. Um, they can pick, you know, a bouquet of flowers. We used to do that a lot in preschool. Um, if Stella, when Stella was three and a half and four, we'd get phone calls a lot that we needed to pick up Stella early because she couldn't make it till 2 p.m. And sometimes we would just go around the block and make a little bouquet and bring it to the teacher the next morning with a drawing and say, thank you so much for your patience with me as I'm learning, right? And she would just do her little three and a half year old drawing. And then she would be the one to give it to the teacher and say, thank you. Um, and I'm, you know, in her little three and a half year old language, it can look like letting your brother or sister go first when you guys are in the ice cream line at the beach. Um, and then for, for like, for my own personal story, some of my favorites were, I would give Stella foot rubs with lavender lotion. If I had yelled or freaked out or shamed her or whatever. Um, and she knew she still knows to this day that hugs is one of my preferred, like, it's always going to help me feel like our relationship is repaired. If she just like gives me a hug, she's what I call my little cactus girl has never loved physical, like snuggling. Um, so it's a big deal. It's a very mm. huge act of kindness when she's like, mama, you want a hug? And I'm like, yes, mm. I want a six second hug heart to heart. Um, so those are just some examples, but like I said, in that folder I have, I mean, I have so many from over the years that my kids did for me and that I did for my kids. Um, and even, and we, yeah. And we talked about role plays. We talked about redos and basically kind of what I'm hearing from you is that it, our child has 
made some mistake and we're, we need to teach them something about the world here, right? We need to teach them something about the world. So we need to ask, what do they need to learn? Right. Not what's wrong with them. And, and, you know, shifting out of that punishment mindset, not what's wrong with them, what's wrong with me, but instead bringing a curiosity, right. Which is a, a, a key attitude of mindfulness, right. It's curiosity. Like what do they need to learn? You know, and I love the idea that, I mean, obviously role-playing or, or making up that's, you know, taking, that's all teaching responsibility. It's saying, well, I did this thing and, and how can I, how can I repair? How can I, um, how can I repair that relationship? I think that's really beautiful. And um, do we find that these kind of logical consequences that are teaching repair, are they, are, are your kids learning a lot from them? Oh my goodness. Yes. And here's the biggest thing that I want families to take away from this is logical consequences are about teaching a child how to not just the lesson of that's not okay. A lot of parents will think that they're teaching and it's like, my, my child needs to understand that this is not okay. That's the life lesson that it's mm. not okay to do that. That's actually not a life skill. Mm. Like, sure. It's like avoiding temptation maybe, but an actual life skill is like, you got to teach your child how to avoid the temptation. Mm. And yes, a thousand times million percent it works. And I'll give you a quick story hunter. So my, my little girl was like 10 and a half. She's a drummer. She was at um, the school of rock at the band she was at at the time. And she was almost 11. So her friends were starting to have like a slice of pizza before they went to uh, band practice every Tuesday night. And so we started to let her have the pizza and then she would walk across the street. There was like one little street she had to cross, um, but it was a busy intersection. And we told her like, Hey, we require, like, it's important to us that you go to the stop sign to cross. Cause we've seen your buddies and especially the kids that are like 16, 17 year, years old in the band with her, they would just run across the street in this really, you know, Jay jaywalk in this very busy intersection. And so we explained the rule. We explained why it's about her safety and all the things that you do when you're actually teaching about a strong boundary, not just saying do it or else I be, because I said so. And so I pulled to the side one night after I dropped her off and I watched her and she, uh, she crossed in the area that I didn't want her to. And, you know, the traditional punishment would have been like, you pull that car around, you go yank her, you embarrass her in front of her friends, you ground her from going to pizza again for the next two weeks, or you ground her that weekend, all the things like there's a million things you could do on the traditional punishment side to a 10 year old. Um, but instead I just took a deep breath. I went home, talked to hubs, figured out what we're going to do. When she came home, we had a very big conversation around what happened, how that that's what peer pressure looks like, right? Like here's what, this is going to present itself a million times in your life as a tween and a teen. This is what it looks like to stand on your own two feet and be comfortable being different than other people. And so we just had this beautiful conversation. It was actually turned into tears because then it went into, well, mom, it's just hard to be different sometime. I'm the only one that's not allowed to have a phone. And it turned into this beautiful conversation about friendship. And, um, but it was a lot, it was a lot. And so we decided that in order to help her learn the life skill of avoiding temptation and protecting her own body and keeping herself safe out in a world that I'm not with her all the time, we were going to do a redo. So the next week I would totally allow her to go to pizza again. 
But this time I was going to have her practice saying to her friends, Hey, no, I'm not okay. Crossing the road here. Let's just go to the stop sign and we'll cross. It's like no big deal. Right. But she needed to practice it. She needed to have the, the new imprint in her body. So I dropped her off. I pulled to the side and, uh, you know, somewhere where she couldn't see me and I watched her and she did it. And she came home that night and I was just like, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you so much for doing that. It feels so good to know that you're safe out in the world. And, you know, fast forward probably a year and a half later, she has an e-bike now and she was on her way to school and daddy was coming home and he saw her and he said, he watched her as all these kids next to her just pummeled through the, like when the walking guy wasn't up very busy, uh, five lane intersection in Encinitas, California, they just went and she looked at them and she looked and she could not see her father. She looked at them. She looked at the, the red light and she stopped and she waited while six kids went until the light went through its cycle and it went again. And she got the walking guy, we call him. And then she went on her bike about her way to mm. school. And so this is a great example, right? Of like, if I would have shamed her and grounded her and, uh, all the things like, I don't know if that lesson would have stuck as much if she would have been as comfortable being an outcast, like, and protecting her own body safety wise. So that's, um, one story that I like to give it as an example of, yes, it works. Like, yes, if children understand why, uh, a rule is so important and you, and you teach them with compassion and connection and firm kindness, it just works so well. That's beautiful. And yeah, she, she learned that lesson and she wasn't like, you know, because you had done something to make her, you know, like I can picture the alternative, like you punished her, you, you made her hurt. And next time she comes along an intersection like that, it's like F you mom and dad, I'm yeah. doing this thing. And like you get the whole rebellion and pushback thing, but she learned that lesson. She talked to you about it. She was supported. And you said, what does she need to learn? That's so, such a beautiful story. Wendy. I love that so much. Good. Oh I love goodness. that story too, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. So I, this is, uh, we could obviously talk for a long time, but, um, we can't. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing your time. You can hear me on Wendy's amazing podcast, Fresh Start Family, obviously, or you're a podcast listener. You can check that out. Wendy, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Yes. Um, freshstartfamilyonline.com. We always have something free. And because we're talking about this, Hunter, I think um, if parents want to join me for my free workshop on discipline, that'd be awesome. It's just for uh, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline. It's a free one hour workshop and I'll teach you all the, the nitty gritty details about um, building logical consequences that work with kids of all ages. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to connect again um joining forces for the good of the world and families so cool um thank you for sharing your time and just coming on and and, and taking this challenge that you had and turning it into some beautiful gold i love it thank you Hunter, for having me my community just adores you and so it's just been so fun to connect and, and support each other's communities and i just really am honored to be here so thank you for having me I loved talking to Wendy. Obviously, you could tell so many practical tools in this episode. I just think that's 
so awesome. So if this, if you are inspired and you would like to dive in more, you'd like to learn about the mindful parenting method, you'd like to join a community, really make this a priority in your life. Join a community of hundreds of families who are really passionate about this. Learn more at mindfulparentingcourse.com. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. And then you will get you on the wait list. We'll let you know when Mindful Parenting is opening up again. And then you will have all the tools, all the tools as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm thrilled to spend this time with you. I appreciate your ears. I appreciate your attention. This is such a powerful community. Good for you. I mean, honestly, for like watering your good seeds, for for taking the time to take in content that is going to like lift you up, right? Information. And there's so much stuff that is just like poisons our brain with like negative images, etc. And you are taking in some stuff that is going to really practically help make the world a better place. So high five, high five to you. Listen, if you love this episode, please do me a favor, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at mindful mama mentor. And I'm so glad to connect with you again, my friend. And I can't wait to hear your takeaways if you have any. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm wishing you a great week. Namaste. say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com.